Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with Najahi Events and IQ. More about them later. Today's guest is Ken Honda, Japan's most recognizable and influential money teacher. He's known as the Zen Millionaire, having written more than 50 books on personal finance and happiness. His writing bridges the topics of finance and self-help, focusing on creating and generating personal wealth and happiness through deeper self-honesty. By putting his own theories into practice, Ken was able to retire at just 29 and now spends his time writing, speaking and publishing on what he's learned about money and human nature. Ken offers mentoring programs, business seminars and workshops to those who struggle to be at peace with money by using Zen practices that have helped people repair their relationship with finances. Ken helps everyday people achieve happiness and personal wealth, something we could all use a little bit more of. I'm really excited to talk to Ken today because his perspective on money and the way he thinks about money is different from nearly everybody you know, including yourself. So let's get on with this episode because I promise you it's going to be a really, really good one. Okay, thank you so much for coming to join us on the show today. It's been really impressive studying your work and understanding what you do, and more importantly, understanding why you do it. And I think the area that you focus on is an area that a lot of people, they don't, they don't give it the time, attention and effort they need to. So many people seem to be pursuing either the next dollar or greatness or, you know, everything related to this number though, it's always related to money and an outcome of a certain type. And then you hear the stories of people that say, you know, he was a billionaire, but he was never happy. But most people will say, I'd rather try and be a billionaire and find out whether I'm going to be happy when I get there than never try at all. And it seems to be, you know, part of part of how people's psyche is. So before we go any further, would you just explain what you do, why you do it, and how you even got into this space to start with? Hello, Spencer. Um, I'm so happy to be invited to your show. My name is Ken Honda. I'm the author of the book Happy Money. And my father's very uh successful tax accountant. So since I was very small, um, my father taught me everything about money. So I could retire very young uh, at the age 29. And I took four years of my uh, uh, vacation for my baby girl. And during the four years, I had this inspiration to write, which I did. So I followed my passion. And since then, I have published more than 100 uh, uh, probably 190 or 200 books and sold about 8 million copies in the area of happiness and money. So um, this has been my passion uh, to teach people about happiness and money and f- how to follow your heart. So on that journey, I mean, uh, I mean, to write that many books, I mean, I wrote a book where you just, we just spoke about a few minutes ago, and that was an 18 month uh-huh. labor of love for me. It really was uh-huh. hard. Probably the toughest thing I've ever done, having the concentration and the focus to be able to get a book done. So when somebody's written 190 books, that just blows my mind. So the great mm-hmm. dedication there. So what kind of lessons did you learn along the way about people's relationship with money? So I learned from a very young age um, about money IQ, which you're supposed to know about investing, tax laws and business and negotiations and sales, you know. Uh, you're the expert. So uh, those things you need to know. And uh, But I realized in my early 20s, after meeting many millionaires and billionaires, that 
knowing a lot about money is not everything, because most、uh, financially successful people, successful people, make stupid mistakes emotionally, and they end up losing everything. And so I realized that there is something called money EQ. Money EQ is emotional intelligence, and unless you're、uh, healthy, unless you have a healthy relationship with money, you do all kinds of weird things, and people do a lot of things because of money. So、uh, if you have a healthy relationship with money, you can build on a strong base, and you can build a financial fortress on the beautiful base. And if you have a good financial intelligence, money IQ. And emotional intelligence, money EQ, you can be both happy and、uh, prosperous in both ways. How 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 do people understand the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy relationship with money? Because most people won't say I've got an unhealthy relationship. Most people will think <laughs> they've got a healthy、yes. relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're. I love your questions. I I really respect people who can ask the right questions. So you know,、uh, you're the only one who knows. When you receive money, do you feel happy, or do you feel irritated, or do you feel like uh, uh, some kind of funny feeling?、Uh, so if you feel happy with the money you receive, genuinely happy, I call it happy money. And when you spend money, when you pay bills, do you feel happy? Most of us feel frustrated. And most of us worry about money. I call it unhappy money. So if you receive money with a smile on your face, and if you can pay bills and pay taxes with a, a, a beautiful smile on your face, I think you have a healthy relationship. And if you feel irritated, if you、uh, worry about money, and if you have uh, uh, stress around the money, I think you don't have a good relationship with money. So、uh, when you think of money, does that give you a warm feeling? Or do, does it give you ooh feeling? So that's the only difference you can tell. Where, where does this stem from, though? Because there must be. You know, we've we've heard lots of examples of people that have come from nothing that have gone on to create、mm-hmm. incredible futures for themselves. Yes. We've also heard stories of people that were born. I'm not going to say this loosely, with a silver spoon in their mouth, that have gone on、mm-hmm. to become destructive with money. So、yes. where 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 does it start? Where, you know, I'm a 51 year old man. My parents got divorced when I was seven. My father went bankrupt.、Um, my mum brought me up. My, my sister and I up, and so we had a challenging period in our lives. But I never ever felt poor, even though mum says we had nothing. I never felt poor. So where does where does it actually start for us if we go back in our own lives? Right.、Um, I teach about how to heal your. Uh, money wounds in your life. When we were small, we have、uh, we we had of、uh, uh, sad、uh, tragic experiences around money.、Uh, I think you are lucky because your mother was a healthy person, so that's why it didn't disturb you emotionally. Most of us, unfortunately, were disturbed. You know, we we were denied of、uh, certain things that you, we can't afford it. Well, sometimes you know、uh, they. Give you wrong reasons, like、uh, one of my students wanted to learn learn ballet dancing, but her father said, "No, you're not like a ballet. You're not cute at all. You know, so who wants to see you dance?" So、uh, instead of saying, "Sorry, I don't, I, I don't make enough money, so I cannot afford to send you to ballet school," I'm so ha- happy if, if if I could send you, but I'm sorry, I cannot do that. 
Instead, he said, you know, he blamed on her for wanting to learn about ballet. So we are often denied and scolded for wanting something that we really love. So since we are small, we have this um, uh, grudges against money. We have this bad feelings around money. So when we think of something we want to do, we feel like, oh, okay, you know, something like bad happened uh, before. So uh, my dream will not come come true because I don't deserve it. I don't look pretty, or I am not smart. So、uh, we have all the reasons to be disturbed around money. That's why we don't have a, a healthy relationship. And as much as we want money,、uh, we love money, but we hate money because if money gets close to you, we have、uh, we don't have a good track record of just. Good relationship, you know. We've been hurt so many times with money. I have two daughters, and they're both at university at the moment. And one of them,、uh, I said, I said to her, "When you buy your first house, for every pound that you save, I will match it with a pound. So you've got to save money,、mm. okay? And when you saved enough money, okay, whatever it is, whatever that amount is, I, I will double it essentially. Okay, great, thanks, Dad. And I checked with her the other day because she leaves university next year." I'm like, how much have you saved? Thinking she was going to say two or three thousand pounds, but at least you've done something, yeah. Twenty-four、uh, thousand pounds, Dad. I was like, twenty-four thousand pounds. She's like, yeah. And you said you're going to match it, so that's forty-eight thousand pounds for my deposit. <laughs> I was like,、uh-huh. holy, holy macaroni. And then <laughs> my other daughter. Great for you. Yeah, I know. But my other daughter, it doesn't matter how much money you give her. It doesn't matter how much money she earns because she works and she's at university too. But she works; she's never got a penny. She's she's literally it goes goes through her hands as soon as you put it in her hands, it's gone. And so I've got two real extremes with my daughters. Uh huh. Yes. As an example,、mm-hmm. who has the better relationship? So I、uh, in my book、uh, I talk about、uh, money personality types, and y- your、um, one daughter is a spender type. And the other daughter is a, a saver type.、Uh, I don't think、uh, either one is good or bad. It's just a different personality. So、uh, even though uh, you, uh, they are born and brought up in the same house、uh, and the same parents, they turn out to be very different. And it's their personality. You know, some people、uh, love making money. Some people love saving money. So it's more of how they feel toward money. So even if you spend it all,、uh, uh, in, to some extent, I think money should be spent because that's what it's for. So I,、uh, in, when you are younger, you should have a habit of saving somewhat, but at the same time, you should know how to learn、uh, how how to learn to have fun too. So、uh, there is a balance. You know, saving too much is not so good, but spending so much is not good. So you really have to find a balance. So I'd say, you know. Uh, for the for the daughter who spends so much, say start saving. For the daughter who saves so much too much, say start spending. And I think they can meet in balance in between. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to let you let them listen to this. <laughs> so we we go back in time and, and and we understand our relationships with money would have been set maybe by the parameters of our parents and what you spoke about earlier about. The, the the daughter that wanted ballet and the father saying why would you want to do ballet, that that to me takes it away not just、uh, from money but into lots of other、mm-hmm. areas and lots of other ways、yes. of understanding. It's not just 
money related. It's it's like mm-hmm. it's almost like it's like the careers advisor at school, isn't it? That says, well, you you can yes. never be a this or you can never be a that because you don't have the qualification or the drive or the personality or whatnot. And it's someone almost shooting down your dream or your hope or your aspiration. So is the impact of it in every aspect based upon that experience? And how do we relate it to money? So, you know, we tend to um, repeat the same pattern from our childhood. So when we so the next time the girl, little girl who was denied of a ballet lessons, when she wants to do learn, say she wants to learn painting or singing, she would feel the same bad feeling of denied by her father. So instead of just asking her father again, she would probably let go of the dream. Uh, that's easier. So we've been so trained, or we've trained ourselves not wanting anything than uh, we should. So we don't sh- uh, shoot for the moon, you know, for the stars. We just uh, uh, kind of try to settle with less. So uh, unfortunately, most of us uh, live that way. So we don't go for a dream. Even if you want to become a writer, you know, instead of just start writing something, they say, "Oh no, no, what is? What are the odds?" of just becoming a professional writer or singer or baseball player, whatever that is. So uh, we, we give up even before trying. It's nothing to do with money, as, as, as you said, Spencer. But our attitude toward life has been determined by the relationship with money because uh, uh, when we do something, it usually costs something if we, if we want to learn uh, how to play uh, tennis or uh, play uh, violins or piano. Uh, it takes, um, it costs something. So, uh, uh, if you don't want to spend money, you cannot do anything. So you tend to stay home. You don't go to a party. You don't just, you know, spend, uh, money on something that makes you feel excited, excited. When we, when we think about success in any form, unfortunately, in, I can't think of many cases where, where a number isn't attributed to the measurement of that success. Whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I laugh and joke with some people at the moment. I say, if you're selling anything in the world right now, there's three things that you can sell very easily. Number one is get rich quick, which is money. Mm-hmm. And the number number two is how to lose weight quickly. People want to buy mm-hmm. that. Or how to get a million followers in the next month, you know? If you can sell those three things, <laughs> everybody wants those right. three things. Right? But it's still a measurement. It's still a number. Mm-hmm. And for me, for me, the association with success um, being measured in money, and I think really influential in our earlier careers. You know, I'm sat with my parents now. They're 76 years old and I'm 51 years old. And my relationship with money is much different to how it was when I was 23 or 24. Um, mm-hmm. And it was the ability to earn the money, to spend the money, to demonstrate to other people that I had mm. achieved something. Which I think, some, you know, we look back on it and we think, why do you do? Why did you do that? Why did you think like that? Why, why, why did you go to that place? How do people shift from being in that place where every measurement comes back to the amount of money you've earned or the amount of figures you have on the board or the amount of houses you've bought, which again is a measurement in some terms. How do we move away from that? I think uh, most important thing is uh, you have to know when is enough. 
how much is enough? I have interviewed many people, but uh, uh, all the people feel, uh, all the wealthy people feel like they don't have enough. Uh, one time I interviewed、uh, a very wealthy、uh, person who's,、uh, who's, who took his company to public. So he's got you know, millions of dollars or pounds. And, and、uh, I asked him, When did you start feeling wealthy? I thought I was expecting an answer like he was 25 or 30 or when his company went public. And he said, I'm not wealthy at all. And I was surprised, really? And, and he said, I don't have a private jet. <laughs> and and、uh, that is his definition. And, and, and、uh, a few years later, I, I sat down with a guy who has a private jet and I asked the same question. And he said, I'm financially comfortable, but I'm not wealthy at all. Whenever I, I go to this private terminal,、uh, private jet's terminal,、uh, I pull over my car and I feel so small because my jet seats only six people. And in that, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, carrier, there are like huge jumbo jet,、uh, private jets. So like, I'm, my, I'm just a tiny potato. So I don't feel wealthy at all. So you have to know when is enough. Otherwise, You will be stuck in this hell rat race of wanting more and doing more. And if you have two houses, you want the third one. And if you have a mountain house, you want a beach house, you know. So, uh, uh there's a never ending story. And so, and that our life is limited. So you really have to focus on drawing your line, uh, when is enough. And if you know that, you don't have to be a millionaire or billionaire in order to feel so abundant. Because the, the feeling of wealthy is, I have more than enough. That is a mantra I'm giving it to everybody. I have more than enough. And what a great feeling, you know. And you can, you can achieve that with $10 in your pocket, or you can do that.、Uh, you cannot do that if you just cannot satisfy yourself with $100 million or pounds in your pocket. I think. We have to get away from the relationship of wealth and money, don't we? We have to, they're so intrinsically tied together.、Um, True. And, and、uh, I suppose there are, there are times in our lives where we realize that money is irrelevant, and maybe that's when it comes to your health.、Um, mm-hmm. You know, m- money cannot buy you know, the, your health. So, as an example, That's probably, but again, you need, it's almost like people need to go through the experience then to have the realization.、Mm-hmm. So, how, how do people, or how do you teach us to get away from thinking that money means wealth as opposed to anything else? So, I think you have to introduce your own system, how to measure your success or happiness. Like,、uh, at the end of the day, if you feel like you've done a great job, You just, you know,、uh, praise yourself. You did a great job. And that may be more than,、uh, oh, I made、uh, another million dollars today, you know. So,、um, I think if you just, um, uh, start, set up your own standard and just,、uh, live accordingly, you'll be the most wealthy person on the planet. So you have to, uh, uh, come up with your own measurement. Otherwise, You'll be stuck in this,、uh, like, oh, I, my income is,、uh, you know, a certain amount. And then, oh, I'm just a small, small guy because, uh, uh, there's always wealthier person in your, in the room, you know, and when you go up the ladder. So, so, uh, I think you have to, 
uh, really come out. I like the uh, writer. Writer is the same. You know, I I sold about eight million copies, but all my friends sell like ten million copies and fifty million copies. And when I just look at the numbers, like oh, oh we're, you know, there's a pretty high up there. <laughs> and my my mentors, like Jack Canfield, sold three hundred million, you know, copies. Like, how can I get there? You know, <laughs> so you you have to know when is enough. And if you feel like like I'm I'm more than enough. And then if I can sell more, I'm happier, but that doesn't, you know, give any happiness level. Is as you're saying this, it's making me think about a couple of things. It's making me think about goals and journeys and mm-hmm. us all pursuing the end goal but not taking time to enjoy the journey and appreciate the mm-hmm. journey. But it also makes me think about uh, gratitude and mm you know, being grateful for what you have and, and stopping to remember what you, no matter what it is, you know, being grateful mm-hmm. for where you've got. And, you know, I used to, as a younger man, I, I would kind of poo-poo gratitude. I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. get away with it, you know. I'm on this mission. I'm on this, you know, I'm on this path. I'm on this journey. I'm going there. You know, I didn't I didn't ever stop to be grateful. Um, mm-hmm. it, it must play a much bigger role than I think we think. True, um, you, you said it so beautifully. My mentor, Wahei Takeda, uh, who's called Warren Buffett of Japan, he is one of the wealthiest men in Japan. And he said, the secret of happiness and wealth is arigato your life, arigato your money. So uh, when money comes in, always say arigato, thank you. And when money leaves you, always arigato for being with me. So this uh, uh, attitude of appreciation uh, you, it will uplift our energy. What, what we appreciate appreciates. So this appreciation about what you have, what we've done, gives you great warm feeling. And this is far more important than how much, uh, the numbers of, uh, numbers, uh, on your, on your bank account. So this feeling that you have more than enough and you, you, and if you can appreciate about what you have in your life, you are such a wealthy person. You know, forget about the numbers because, you know, numbers really don't count in heaven when you go try to go, you know, go to the, through the gate. <laughs> the numbers really don't uh, matter. It's just, it's who you are. And the, uh, the more appreciate, the more appreciation you have in your life, the happier you get. So, um, I hope you start counting what you can appreciate about in your life. And that how, is a shortcut. How? Okay. In theory, that's mm-hmm. that's for me bang on the money. In theory, that's exactly right. But in practice, mm-hmm. in practice, this is where the challenge comes, doesn't it? Because in theory, that yes. makes a lot of sense. In practice, mm-hmm. how do I, you know, when you have a life changing event, then you can you can acknowledge, and so then you can have something to to almost as a pillar that you can move around. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that and you understand the theory and it makes sense what what daily rituals what what steps what 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 can you do practically to get to that type of place in your mind so uh, once again when money comes into your life thank the money for coming in and when, uh, when you have to pay bills and when you pay taxes this is a tricky part thank the money and thank the, thank the government Thank the people, people, uh, electricity company you're paying to. It's a big challenge, especially with the government. Uh, people have a lot of issues. Uh, 
<laughs> so if you can start thanking that money will just bless, start blessing people, that is a daily ritual. And when you start worrying about money, donate something. Uh, at the cashier, uh, at the supermarket, there's usually a box. If you uh, worry about money, donate a pound or dollar or euro. And then you feel like uh, it's, this is a great reminder that you have more than enough. This feeling that I, I don't have enough chokes you up. But if you just donate a dollar or a euro or pound and you just realize that, oh, maybe I, I'm, I'm more wealthy than I think. So you have to breathe uh, air to make sure that you're alive. And uh, this realization that you have more than enough uh, shifts your um, consciousness from poverty, a scarcity mentality, to abundant mentality. You've said that twice now. So I'm, I'm, and I've got to get in a pattern, and this is it's the paying for things, isn't it? And saying thank you for having mm -hmm. the money that is counterintuitive. Yeah. It, mm -hmm. it, it really is counterintuitive because that's not how most people think. So you go pay for something, whether that's the, the you know the, the tax bill or whatever it may be. Thank you for having the money in the first place to be able to give it. Yes, and that goes on repeat with everything, literally systematically, until it becomes second nature. Mm hmm. And also, just you have to uh, turn around your uh, uh, concept about debt, for example. You feel most most of people feel debt as a burden in your life, but I think that is a trust that somebody or banks placed on you. They trusted you enough that they're you're going to pay back the loan, so it's not a burden. It's more of a trust. So once you feel like, hmm, I never thought that uh, I, I've been trusted by a bank or friends who who let you you know loan loan the money. So every month with your appreciation. Thank you for trusting me and pay back the money with interest as a form of appreciation for trusting. So once you've, you turn it, this consciousness from burden to trust, maybe I'm okay, right? So I, I, I've impacted millions of people with this uh, uh, Zen philosophy of changing this uh, concept around money. Because if you just think, that is a trust placed on you. It's not a burden or sentence in prison. So uh, once you just feel like you're trusted, uh, that uh, they trusted your abundance more than you can do to yourself. So like, oh gee, I didn't know that they trusted my earning ability. I have to show them appreciation. And I think that's what interest is all about. So instead of being ripped off and burdened by the bank, you can appreciate them. So if your mentality is that way, you can turn things around so beautifully. That is the best thing I've heard anyone say in a long, long time. That's really going to resonate with me. That's great. Honestly, that, that, you know, because my parents come from a generation where after the Second World War, they come out and you, you buy your house debt is negative, you pay the mortgage off as quickly as you can, it's <laughs> yeah. a bad thing, you know, yeah. and, and then they teach you the same thing, you know, the first property I ever bought, get that mortgage paid off, Spencer, get it paid off. If I could have only back 30 years ago had that conversation and, and used the words that you just were, that you just used, that would have, that would have changed everything. Yes.
Wow. That I've got to take a moment because that really, that really was something that resonated with me. So that's beautiful. So when we when we have this situation where we have our gratitude, we look at debt in a positive way. Someone's trusted me. Someone's trusted me. That's you should something to be proud of, isn't it? Somebody trusted me. Yes. You know, it's like, me. Yes. You trusted me. That's so cool. Thank you so much. It's like you trusted me. Yes. I wonder, I wonder if that type of thought process is what most people go through when it comes to lending, because we have the, the, the analogy of, um, in business, we have a debt, debt with a mortgage like my parents is a negative thing. And then we have most businesses that are successful use banks money, you know, individuals who use banks money to help grow their business. And they see it as a tool that's a constructive and productive tool to use to help grow their businesses. And mm -hmm. I wonder if they see it like that or they see it as just a tool. Imagine if you went out to all of the companies out there and said, these people have put their trust in. That's fantastic just to think about. And yeah. I suppose when you grow a business as well, you know, you bring investors into a company and you're trying to raise capital. When you yes. just, someone's putting trust in you. Yes, they're cheerleaders for you. Because when you succeed, they succeed. So just they're just doing, you know, hooray, Spencer, go, 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 go. So they're the cheer, cheerleaders. That's what he uh, used to do. You know, uh, you know, since he was a major shareholder of many public companies, more than 100 public companies, he invites uh, many CEOs to his office. When their sales are down, you know, usually stockholders complain about that, right? So uh, Wahe invited all the CEOs to his uh, 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 office and he, he just cheers them up. You know, I trust you guys. So just keep on, keep on going, you know, make more money next year. So don't worry about this year. And when uh, the com CEOs are making uh, a, a lot of money this year, he congratulates the CEOs and send a thank you note with his gold coins with it. And, and he congratulates. And not many CEOs, you know, have been thanked by the shareholders. They're usually bitched about <laughs> around, uh, you know, everything. So they don't get thank you from shareholders at all. And uh, they don't get gold coins from shareholders. So some CEOs really cry, you know, because like, oh, I've never been praised this much, you know, since my grandmother passed away. <laughs> so like these uh, uh, CEOs with in a suit are crying, right? So uh, my mentor Wahe is like that. He is a cheerleader to many CEOs. So I hope I, I want to be the same way to millions of people. That the way you just explained that and, and what we're talking about here makes me think that is really normal and how it should be. But yet, yes, for the vast majority, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. and why, Unfortunately. Why don't people get this? It's because we are in a trance, trance state that uh, money's God, we need to make more money, uh, more is better. So uh, I think in a few years, uh, a lot of people will start getting out of this funny uh, 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 trance state 
、uh, the scarcity mentality, and we would realize very soon that we are connected. So we have to help one another instead of competing one another. So that's I I think and I hope it's going to happen fairly soon, and、uh, we have to hang in there before the beautiful time comes in. So、uh, that's what I. That's what I've taught、uh, millions of people in Japan, and I'm starting to teach a lot, a lot of people in, in English-speaking world. You know,、uh, once you are out of this trance and scarcity mindset, I, I call it scarcity. It's a scary city because we we try to hurt、uh, one another. You know, and unfortunately, but that's what's happening. Yeah. So unless we get out of this scarcity or a trance that we don't have enough. We will struggle. So I hope、um, wh- whoever is ready、um, has to get out of this、uh, place of cold place, and then、uh, let's meet back in a nicer world of helping one another and sharing one another. What what role has greed played in all of this? Because when we think. You know, a great example of recent time has been cryptocurrency. That、mm-hmm. around about a year ago, half well, there's been people investing in it for a long time, but about a year ago, most of the world caught on and started to open up trading accounts because because they thought they could make a fast buck, they could get rich quick by investing in Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever. And that really demonstrates to me the obsessive nature of, of greed and gluttony. Uh, around this type of stuff, and so, what what do you make of that? Because it's not it's not we never we never talk about greed as a good thing, do we?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think wanting something is good because that's how we have improved our lives as human species. But if say、uh, Indians and Chinese、uh, spend as much resources as uh, uh, North Americans and Europeans,、uh, you know, we need. Ten more Earth, you know, to supply to support the、uh, resources. So、uh, obviously we cannot do that. So we have to learn how to live live、uh, right next to one another in this small place. So I think there has to be a limit、um, to、uh, to some extent what we want for ourselves. Otherwise,、uh, we cannot keep keep going like that. And, th- and I think. The, our planet is crying, and some, you know, it's crying. And some people are, uh, uh, some places are,、uh, you know,、uh, flooded. I think it's、uh, tears from Earth, and some people have lots of fire. I think it's anger from our planet. So,、um, you know, we we have to do something together.、Um, so obviously,、uh, the world climate is changing so fast. So this、uh, could. Uh, open an opportunity for us to be、um, connected and start coming up with solutions, or we're going to、uh, suffer. And, and right now, it's regional suffering, but I think it's going to happen globally、uh, fairly soon if we keep going at this rate. Let, can we talk about Zen?、Mm-hmm. Because I think it's, I think it's. Described by some people would say woo woo.、Mm-hmm. Um, some people say spiritual but not practical,、um, and some people buy into the philosophy. But、mm-hmm. it's 
from from just the just the simple things that we're talking about here today on the conversation so far, it it really is impactful and it really makes a difference. And so, how can how can people take time to learn and understand more about the impact of this? I think、uh, simplicity is very important. You know, it's not positive or negative. Right in the middle, there is an answer. Like between two daughters, there is an answer. Neither she or you know the other one is is good or bad. They are different. It's like yin and yang, and men and women, and、uh, the wealthy and the poor. We have to help one another. We have to find、uh, the the answer between us. We have to meet in between. So that's what Zen is all about. So. Uh, you can take a life from a positive outlook or a negative outlook. We we are all different, but if we can just meet in the middle, and and I think that is the answer. So my mentor Wahei、uh, teaches、uh, us life lessons like Zen or Zen monk.、Um, so、uh, for example, I ask him stock tips.、Uh, how can I make money? And he said, so the company. Who's making people happy?、Uh, will、uh, the stock prices will go up? So、uh, find a company that has a virtue、uh, in the company. And I ask him, so how can I find a company with a virtue? And he said, unless you have a pure heart and understand what what a virtue means, you cannot see it. It's almost like unless you don't know what love is, you cannot see love. So his answer was like that. So a lot of Zen、uh, questions and answers are the same way. So my teaching is the same. I ask many questions. I'm not teaching. I'm not giving you any answers because your answer is in your heart, and it's you to find. So I'm I'm only assisting you. I'm helping you to find the right answer for you. So I I have asked many、uh, different questions, and I have given you a different. Uh, ways of looking at things, different views, and after that,、um, a lot of a lot of people say, "Ken, I have never thought about money or life this way," and I think it's good news because you start seeing things very differently from now. And the more differently you take a look,、uh, you take a look on your life and life issues, you have better and more answers. And I, I'm assuring you. There is not right one answer, so just it's up to you, and you can find it in your heart. It's it's special to think of it that way, but I'm sure there will be people out there right now that are listening to this, and they're sitting there racked in credit card debt, not knowing what next step to make.、Mm-hmm. Um, Embarrassed, really embarrassed about their situation. Yes, probably not wanting to share their story with anybody、mm-hmm. because of, of how much of a fool they may feel around、mm-hmm. the decisions they've made or the outcomes、right. that they've got. How, how, how do we care for those people, and how, how how do we help people in that type of position, and, and also how do they help themselves? Yes.、Uh, first of all, there's nothing nothing wrong about feeling shame or, or guilt around money. Uh, money brings out a lot of emotions. So if you have a debt, that probably gives you shame or embarrassment and guilt 
and sense of unworthiness, and in the whole package. But it's a great opportunity for you to take a look at all the feelings you have and start healing them. It's nothing to do with money, actually. Money、uh, sheds a light on those feelings that you've had in, in your life. And、uh, after you're paying all the debts, that feelings will stay with you. I've met many、uh, wealthy people. They don't have a shame, a shameful feeling, or a, but they still they, they have different feelings. They have guilt. Children of wealthy parents, they often have guilt、uh, for being wealthy. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't work for it, they didn't ask for it. It's just they had、uh, wealthy parents and grandparents. Uh, that's why they are wealthy. So they carry a lot of guilt. And the people who cannot deal with guilt often go for drugs and other addictive、uh, solutions. So、um, money can bring out a lot of emotions. So、uh, you have to start healing all the emotions one by one. You cannot heal it all in two seconds. But it's a journey,、uh, once again, as Spencer and I talk about. It's a journey of finding who you are. And in the process of finding who you are, just absorb guilt, absorb shame, absorb embarrassment as part of you. Because I have a lot of embarrassment, I have a lot of shame.、Um, so、uh, we, are, we can be connected through those negative feelings because we're human beings. And、uh, by just sharing how shameful we are, how stupid, stupid we feel, but by talking about that, we heal them together. I've done a lot of workshops、uh, in my private retreat center, and oftentimes we talk about our guilt and our shame. And by sharing about that with different、uh, people, you know, even strangers, you feel much, much lighter. So if you can talk with a friend or somebody that you can rely on, that is a good step. And there's a community out there、uh, that you can, you know, talk about your issues. That's also helpful as well. So,、uh, just confronting、uh, all the problems we have and start,、uh, start healing the process, I think you're on the right track. So, just when you feel so shameful and you feel like you want to die or you, you feel like you're so terrified about money, that's a good sign because it's a, it's a calling card, it's a calling message, wake up call for your new life. So, just please welcome. Your、um, negative feelings because they can be、uh, an agent for change, too. That's so profound. It's almost like the, the way you talk about it makes me think there's an enormous amount of naivety、um, around it. And then because it's almost like what you say is so obvious, but I never thought about it.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But、um, it's like, Absolutely. That's of course. That's what you do. Why would you do it any other way? Because any other way than the way that you describe it is,、uh, or, or you you advise upon it, is is not good. It doesn't. None of it. None of it works into the positive, does it?、Mm-hmm. Because you know, more money doesn't solve the situation. Even if your parents give you, say, if if they can clean up all the debt, your mentality is a debt mentality. You know, you're going to create it in two years. So, you have to face it and you have to face your negative emotions and start healing it. That is the answer.、Mm, yeah, very, very important. Very important. And it's almost like, it's almost like don't, 
don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep your yes. problems to yourself. Acknowledge that you have them. Be 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 aware that they're there, and, mm-hmm. and realize realize that there's a message in there that you need to take so that you can move forward in a more constructive and productive way. Hmm. Really, I'm loving talking to you. This is really interesting. It's really making Thank me you. think about it. Thank you. It's such a great philosopher too, Spencer. That's why you take it very deep. And thank you for just, uh, I really appreciate your depth philosophically too. It it, it makes me, I I don't like people struggling. I, you know, my, my social media team say, stop ranting, Spencer, stop ranting because you're ranting to people because you're frustrated with people in the place that they're in and you want them to get to a place that they, they could be in that can help them live a better life. And, but you can't always come at it from, from kind of like a, a a frustrated point of view. Um, and it, and it, it saddens me deeply, you know, people in my world that, that, can't understand or can't find a way out and it leads them to very painful places and in in some cases you know there there is too many examples of people between the age of 45 and 50 taking their own life um because where they expected to be when they started in their career at the kind of age of 45 they realize that they're nowhere near where they thought they were going to be or they've got this huge responsibility of either mortgages or tax bills or whatever it may be on them on their shoulders, weighing them down, and it becomes overwhelming. And when it becomes overwhelming, the, the, the kind of like people call it the coward's option, but I don't. It's it's almost like remove the pain from my life. This is the only way I can remove the pain is to remove me from this world. And so I really feel people that have real issues around money, um, and I say I've been lucky. Um, but it's, it's, it's those people that I kind of like, I really, I feel for so deeply. So listening to what you say, it just makes it, it just makes it such a, such a more important and nicer and more, more positive way of thinking about these things, which Mm -hmm. I think so, is so important, Ken. I know it's just so important for people. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's why I keep just sharing this information. You know, I retired at age 29 and I could retire for the rest of my life. But I came back in uh, four years after because I thought I could help people. You know, financial independence uh, is a beautiful thing. You don't have to be wealthy, but at least if you can be financially independent, follow your heart. You can uh, uh, live more fully. And that's why I have been helping millions of people by sharing the idea. If you can just uh, turn your ideas only one one at a time, it's going to create a miracle in your life. So instead of feeling debt is a burden, you know, if you think debt is trust, you instead of just feeling heavy, now you're feeling uh, wings or you know in your back, and then you can fly. So just uh, just turn your ideas, uh, just even, even a little bit, and then you can turn things around. So um, I, I really feel for, um, I feel your love uh, for the audience, and I think it's so beautiful. That's why I think you're a very powerful influencer in, uh, in Dubai. Thank you very much for saying that. 
Okay, a couple of questions before we finish. Yes. The relationship between financial wealth and passion. Mm-hmm. When they say when you do what you love, money will come to you because you're yes. pursuing what you love. And mm-hmm. some people will say, yeah, but there's not money in everything. But I really do believe that if you do what you love, it, it almost acts as a magnet for other people to be that, that are like-minded to be attracted to that subject matter too, which creates a community for you. And then from that community creates opportunity and abundance. You spoke about it in the story you tell of the insurance salesperson that, that loved dogs. Yes. Okay. Could you just share that story briefly with us? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, in the process of helping people, I realize that every one of us is born with a certain gift, but uh, we take it so wrong. Like uh, a certain gift is not become a superstar or just uh, in baseball, football, or or, or a singer songwriter, but uh, somebody who really loves dogs and also uh, dogs love them. I, a, a best friend of mine is like that. When she walks into a park, there will be like 20 dogs running over, t- running to her, toward her, and they, they need a hug from her. And, you know, dogs, lo- they know who love dogs, right? So uh, one insurance uh, salesperson was knocking on the door. I, as, as you know, that Spencer, you're the sales uh, master. So he couldn't sell anything, uh, but he uh, he didn't uh, pay much attention to uh, uh, beware of dog. Uh, there's a German shepherd in a big house, and then he went in and saw this German shepherd was very happy to see him because he loves German shepherd. And so the owner of the house came out, and she was so surprised because uh, that dog is so famous for harassing all the uh, strangers. So she got curious, and she invited uh, this uh, guy in uh, to this uh, to her house, and uh, she found out that uh, he was a salesperson, but uh, that her dogs dearly loved him. So uh, she thought uh, he's a good man, <laughs> and so he, she started introducing uh, him to his her uh, her neighborhood. She's a king queen of the neighborhood. So because of her push. He got a lot of sales. And after that, he got an idea. Maybe if I could form a group of uh, clients who love dogs, you know, I don't mind just walking them, you know, and I don't mind just uh, setting up a, a bus tour, barbecue um, a tour. So there are dogs and the owner and the uh, barbecue uh, every month. And uh, he writes about dogs. And so he doesn't sell any of his insurance. But since a lot of people are involved with him, uh, they start asking questions about insurance, and then he became the, the number one salesperson in the region. So even you think that uh, I don't have any gift, but I love animals, you know, <laughs> that itself doesn't bring you money. But if you just have a little twist, you can make a lot of money by being loved by dogs. It's a story I, I share a lot. I love that because it's, I think it's just so important. And I think we will misunderstand that, you know, people underestimate the value of, of, of really digging down into what they're passionate about, what they care about, what matters, because there's so much opportunity within that area, isn't there? 
Mm, good. Ken, I could, you know what? I'm, I know I've only got a bit more of your time, but I could, I could literally spend the next half of the day or the rest of the day chatting to you and talking about <laughs> this kind of stuff. I honestly could, because I, 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 I care so much about uh, what you do and how you deliver it and how it genuinely can make such a big difference, genuinely make such a big difference to people's lives. If only they would take the time to stop for a minute and sit and, and learn. Don't even change anything. Just try and learn about this so that they can <clears throat> get themselves to a place psychologically where they start to think differently and then step by step make some differences. Because when you consider the two alternatives it really is such such a beautiful thing to consider that for all of you guys listening to this today as I'm chatting away to Ken, seriously, think about yourselves. I want you to think about yourselves, your position, where you are right now. I, you know I know a lot of you. I want you to think right now about where you are, where you want to be, okay, and, and, and the blocks and the challenges that you're facing and the thinking that you have. And go and listen to everything that Ken is doing. Literally understand his work because just talking to me for the time he is, we're getting an opportunity to learn about things and position things maybe in different ways that can, can release a different way of thinking for us and help us go from where we are to just a place of happiness. And for all of you out there that think buying the next most expensive car is important and, and going out there and buying the expensive watches matters, that is not a measurement of wealth, okay? Ask yourself, are you truly happy? Are you deeply happy? And if you're deeply happy, is your family happy? And if they are happy and healthy, maybe that's really where the wealth is in the first place. Ken, I can't say thank you enough. I'll say thank you a thousand <laughs> times. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us today and share, you. share your, your experience. Um, if guys want to follow you, if people want to go to your websites, they want to, I mean, you've got so many books. I mean, I've read Happy Money. So guys, go get Happy Money. How can they get hold of it? So thank you uh, for inviting me once again. All the information you can find, KenHonda.com and you can watch all the YouTube videos online. Some of the videos have been viewed for 10 million views, so you can find a lot of information. And I have recently started the English online salon. For Japanese online salon, I have about 6,000 people, but I'm starting an English online salon that we meet monthly. So if you want to learn more about uh, this thing, please join us. You can find all the information. Google Ken Honda. You'll probably find me there. Excellent. So once a month get together, okay, mm -hmm. in, all in English, yeah? Yes. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm going to be there. I'm bringing my tribe. They're all coming. We're going to come. <laughs> we want to be part of this. This is so yes. good. Probably one of the most profound conversations I've had in a long time. I really thank you so much for your time, Ken. Thank you so much, Spencer. And uh, have a good... Good rest of your day. So it's always important to mention people that you partner with and partners for the podcast are Najahi events and Najahi tribe. Now, Najahi sounds like an unusual word, and it is, but it's Arabic for my success. And Najahi have brought some of the world leading public speakers, motivational speakers, inspirational leaders across to Dubai over the course of the years, and Abu Dhabi, mind you. And Najahi brought, I don't know, people like Tony Robbins, ever heard of him? Okay, Nick Vujicic, no arms, no legs, no worries. Lisa Nichols, Prince EA, Jay Shetty, uh, Alicia Keys, 
and people like this and they bring them in and they run events and from those events we go and we learn from these incredible people. On top of that they launched the Najahi tribe recently where they have a collective of the world's greatest trainers that literally you can join, become a member of, take advantage of a training from all of these different people, like real experts in their field. I've got a sneaky suspicion I might be one of them as well. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully you will go and check them out for me because you enjoy these episodes of the podcast. And remember, it's always team effort and I can't do it without the support of these people. So go check out Najahi Events, N-A-J-A-H-I events.com. I'll see you soon.